I want to thank you uh, for all the prayers uh, that went up for Nancy and I as we traveled last week. Uh, went up to Arkansas, came back. We drove up, uh, went through Atlanta and spent the night and then drove up the next day. And on Sunday, had the great... It was really great. I'm so glad that we have online service because we were able to listen to the service while we were driving through Alabama. Isn't that great? And I, I want to tell you, Pastor Bert did an amazing job. Didn't he not? Yeah. And he said something, he said something in that message that I have been feeding on all week when he was talking about that bird. And he said, build your nest at the altar. You need to really think about that. I mean, it's a, it's a powerful, powerful, powerful thought. So, and then we got there and had the service, memorial service, funeral service on Monday, left about 1.30, and I got this great idea. I thought, I'm just going to drive all the way through. So I did. And at 6 o'clock on Tuesday morning, we got in after 14 hours of driving, and I thought, why did I do that? Uh, but we made it. We made it. So um, I'm thankful that we're here, thankful that for Pastor Bert, did an amazing job, thankful for everybody that prayed for us and encouraged us. also want to uh, remind you before I get started that September 5th, it's a Tuesday, September 5th, the prime timers, prime timers or anybody that's 55 or older, uh, we are going to have a potato bar. What time are we going to start that? Well, it's, I think it's like at 11, 11 o'clock or so. Right, we'll have a potato bar. So if you're 55 or older, uh, if you want to be here, we're going to have an amazing time. You cannot beat baked potatoes with sour cream and butter bacon God's good isn't he so that's what's going to happen I want to talk to you today about something that's been on my heart uh, and I think that all of us every single one of us it, it is included in this in this context it's, and I want to talk to you about being an eyewitness of his majesty. An eyewitness of his majesty. Several years ago, uh, I was an eyewitness to an auto accident. I was in the left-hand turn lane on the damn road. Is getting ready to... I'm not cussing. Uh, it was San Pablo Dam Road. And everybody in California, when you're, you just call it the damn road, it's... it's First time I heard that, I heard a pastor say, yeah, this lady got mad at me and took, got her in her car and took off down the damn road. And I thought, <gasps> then I realized that's what everybody called the road. So anyway, I'm in the, in the left-hand turn lane and right in front of me, and I, I've mentioned this before, but it was a beautiful, brand new BMW motorcycle. That burnt orange that the BMW has, it's, it was incredible. I was marveling at this thing, sitting there waiting for the light to turn so we could get, go into the Rayleigh Shopping Center. And when the light did turn, he was the first in line, I was second. He made the, the turn, and as he turned, an elderly gentleman 
driving this blue Chevrolet, didn't see the light, and rolled through about 45 miles an hour and hit that motorcycle. The driver went flying. The next thing I knew, that beautiful burnt orange BMW motorcycle was about eye level heading toward my car. It bounced and smashed against the side of my car. So I tried to get out, but the door wouldn't open, so I had to crawl out the window. I don't know if I could do that now. But then I did. So I got out, and the, and the motorcycle uh, rider was laying in the middle of the road. The elderly gentleman in the blue uh, Chevrolet had, had gone down a ways and stopped and came back up. I could still see him running back up, and the panic in his eyes, because I know you could see it, that he did not see the light, and he thought he had taken somebody's life. So I, I, I go out and I start ministering to, to the guy that's laying on, on, the, on the road, and, and I can tell he's in shock, and he's, his eyes are just are wild. And, and he said, how is my leg? How is my leg? And I looked down, and I could tell where the foot peg of the motorcycle had been because he had a perfectly foot peg hole in the calf of his leg and I don't believe in lying but I lied to him I looked at him and said your leg looks fine and he ended up saving his leg the doctors did but, but I remember when the police got there and they were looking for reports, I was able to give them an eyewitness account because I saw it. You know, and it was important that not only did I just give them the account, but it was so fresh and so new and so raw that, that I had the compassion and passion and, and the, uh, the adrenaline that was pumping in my, in my body, I was able to tell a very passionate recollection of what had happened. You ever been an eyewitness? You ever been an eyewitness to something? You know, the scripture says that we are called, you and I are called to be eyewitnesses of the majesty of Christ. You and I have that great and glorious opportunity of being able to share what Christ has done for us. 2 Peter 1.16 says this. It says, We did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Here is Peter, and he was close to the end of his life and his, these are some of his last words to those that are around him and he says guys, ladies we did not follow a cleverly devised scheme of man this was not something we conjured up, this was not some story we told to advance ourselves or, or some group we were eyewitnesses of the majesty of of Christ. Wouldn't you think that if you were 
close to death and the people that were going to sentence you to die, the only thing you had to do was to get, to get out of it was just to renounce your story. That Peter could have said, nah, we made it up. But in the face of death, Peter says, it's true. Everything we have told you is true. Peter had already gone through that at one time. Remember when he, when he denied the Lord three times out of fear. And yet this time, this time, he says, I was an eyewitness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is coming back in power because I was there. It is true. He knew it was true because he lived it. See, and you and I, we get this great opportunity. We are called to tell our testimony. And what is our testimony? Our testimony is what God has done for us. If you know Jesus Christ, you have an amazing testimony that nobody else has. The Great Commission and going to all the world in Matthew 21, uh, 28 rather, is based on us telling others the eyewitness of count of what Christ has done for us. Do you realize that your personal testimony is powerful? It's persuasive. It, it can change hearts and minds when it's filled with passion and conviction. When you have somebody that, that has a testimony that is real, it's live, it's relevant in their life. See, the testimonies of ordinary people become extraordinary when they experience Christ. See, the missing link to the message of hope is people seeing the hope in you. And, and the missing link to the message of joy is people seeing the joy in you. The missing link to the message of promise is seeing the promise in you. The message, the missing link uh, of, of salvation is people seeing the joy of salvation in you. Each and every one of us has an amazing testimony of what Christ has done for us. You may be in the middle of turmoil. You may be in the middle of strife. You may be in a place where you think that God really doesn't care or love you that much. Let me speak to you for a moment. God cares for you. Christ died for you. If Christ has pardoned your sins, if you are a born-again Christian, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He has done something for you that He wants to do for the rest of the world. And for those that don't know Him, they're longing for it, and they're trying to fill it in their lives with everything else. Christ has set you free. He has given you eternal life. And sometimes we just forget how much that really means to us. It's a passion in our heart. See, sharing your testimony revives the passion and the power of the gospel and the thankfulness and the praise when we share.
when we don't share, when we don't share, that's when it becomes dormant and we become fearful. But the world is in need of a great testimony of what Christ has done for you. And you say, well, I don't really have a great testimony. Yes, you do. Name somebody that does not know Christ that has eternal life. Name somebody that doesn't know Christ that has their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Name somebody that you know that was once lost and without hope but now is found, that was, that was away from God and now is called the child of God. You have an amazing testimony. One of, one of the greatest testimonies I, that I truly enjoy, because when we have an, a new membership class, and for those of you that want to be new members, I always ask people to share their testimony. Inevitably, inevitably, I always have somebody that says, well, I don't really have one of those amazing testimonies. I just gave my life to the Lord when I was five, and I've always served him. Do you realize how amazing that is? You know, that, that testimony is more powerful than the testimony of the person that was lost in drugs and alcohol and everything else and all the vices of this world and the Lord redeems them because not only can the Lord redeem that person but the Lord can sustain a person that's never gone into anything he can keep you from falling, falling into those paths of unrighteousness it's the power of the testimony but the power of, the, of your personal testimony, let, let's jump out of the notes a little bit. Let's just, can we start meddling a little bit? I knew you wouldn't mind. The power of your testimony is dependent upon how important you see it in your life. If you don't have a lot of exuberance and excitement and passion about what Christ has done for you, when you share it with others, they're not going to have the conviction because people want to hear your story. People want to hear the story of what Christ has done for you. We can talk about, we can talk about the Roman road. We can talk about the four uh, laws. We can talk about all of the various ways that you can lead somebody to an understanding of what Jesus does. But the most important aspect that you have is what Christ has done for you. You, nobody can refute it. Nobody can challenge it because you know that you know that you know this is what happened to me. I was an eyewitness that I was lost. And when I gave my life to Christ, I was born again. I was transformed by the power of God. Those sins which held me back were washed away and I walked out a clean, new person. Nobody can challenge that 
They can say, I don't believe what God does, but you can say, I saw it. I was an eyewitness because it happened to me. The world needs your testimony. And this is what Mark 122 says. So I want to give you three things that you need to have if you want to share your testimony with passion. Speaking of Jesus, the Bible says, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority and not as teachers of the law. One, one phrase, or one translation says, and they were astonished. Astonished. That's a passive term. It, does, it means that they didn't have the astonishment, but the astonishment fell on them. Why were the people astonished? Because how Jesus talked, what Jesus said, what emotion he evoked in them. His teaching caused people to stand up and pay attention. His teaching speaks. So I would say this, number one, Speak with conviction. Speak with conviction. Jesus' teaching provoked an emotional response in those hearing him. It's, it's just like Peter on the day of Pentecost. When Peter was on the day of Pentecost, if he would have got up and said, well, men and brethren, um, uh, let me kind of lay this out a little bit. He wasn't that way. He was passionate. He was full of conviction. And he looked at him and said, and it's you that crucified him and then they said men and brethren what shall we do to be saved there's something about having a conviction when you share your testimony of what Christ has done for you and you say well well I used to have it I remember when the Lord first saved me The only thing you have to have if you, if you want to teach with, with compassion, with conviction, if you want to get people's attention, if you want them to stand up and take notice, then you need to help them understand how you were and now how you are. And it's not based upon uh, all the Bible studies you've gone through. It's about what Christ has done for you. The most, um, the most effective times in, in most people's lives when, they, when they're sharing the gospel is in the first six months after conversion. You know why? Because they don't, they don't know any scripture. I remember, I, I knew no scripture at all. You know, the Bible says it's a sword. I kind of used it like a club. You know, just... You know, just what? But, but the thing is, I knew what Christ had done for me, and I was so happy, so excited, so exuberant that it brought somebody new to, to church with me every single week. Why? Because I wanted them to have what I had found. And you say, well, I really, that was then, this is now. The only difference between then and now is me because I should have as much no, I should have more passion 
and conviction about my walk in relationship with God. I believe it was Polycarp. Forgive me if, that, if that's not the one I, I am thinking of. It's a wonderful name, isn't it? Polycarp. But I believe it was him and he was 80, 89 years old. And they wanted him to renounce Christ and they were going to burn him at the stake. And his last words were, my Lord has saved me and sustained me and has been with me these 89 years. Why should I recant now? He was as passionate in his older days as he was in his youth. The only difference in our passion is that sometimes we can allow it to diminish. But when we think about God and we think about what he has done for us it brings a joy it brings a, a, a conviction it brings a worship into our spirit that we cannot wait to tell others look what God has done for me and you say well I don't know anybody outside of Christian Christianity we can fix that It's about just being you, about being real. The second thing is not only speak with conviction, but own your testimony. Jesus had his doctrine, his teaching. His teaching was unlike everybody else's. His teaching was the real word of God. Do you know when you share your testimony, it is the real word of God? It's what Christ has done for you? Jesus didn't rely on what others had said. Jesus spoke from his own understanding. What Christ has done for you is powerful. It is overwhelming. It's amazing that Christ has done for you what nobody else can do. Your name, I cannot emphasize this enough, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life that should the Lord come back today, you won't die. You're going to have eternal life. Eternal life began in you the day that, that Christ came into your life. And, and when this life is over, your life is going to continue because of Christ and what he has done. Think about what he has done. Remember the story in, in Luke 7. Here's, here's Jesus, and he's at, he's at Simon the Pharisee's house. And, and we, we think of Pharisees as people that are, that are just evil or mean. And, and, and most of them really were not. They were just people that had got so stuck on what they thought they needed to do that they lost their compassion. And here's Jesus sitting at the table, and while he's sitting there dining, and eating, they're, they're sitting down, they're reclining their feet behind them. And this woman comes in and begins to wash the feet of Jesus with her tears. You know how many tears that would take? And then she dries them with her hair. What an act of humility. What an act of love. What an act of appreciation for Christ. 
Jesus looked around and knowing the hearts of the Pharisees that were sitting there next to him and the disdain that they had for this lady. He says this in Luke 7, 47. He says, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Listen to this. For she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Jesus is not saying here that people that have committed gross, amazing sins are going to love me more than those that haven't really sinned all that much. It's not what he's saying. What Jesus is referencing is because he knew that those Pharisees that he was sitting there talking to should have had the same response that she did. But in their heart, they didn't love as much because they didn't feel like they needed forgiveness as much. When we understand where we came from, there's no pedigrees in the kingdom of God outside of Christ. I don't care if you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. I don't care if you were born with, with rags I don't, it doesn't matter where you started. It matters how much you understand what Christ has done for you. Those Pharisees that Jesus was eating with should have been washing his feet. But they didn't understand it. Jesus is trying to help us understand that that when we realize, when we realize what Christ has not only saved us to, but what he has saved us from, that, that not where, just where we're going, but where we were heading, that, that when we understand all that he has done on that cross, that we would begin to worship him and magnify him, whether we have been serving him six days, six months, or 60 years, it doesn't matter. Christ has set us free. And it is the passion in our heart. It's owning your testimony. What has Christ done for you? If you think it's little, you're going to share little, and you will have little impact. But if you understand what Christ has truly done, I don't care if you've never had a cigarette to your lips. I don't care if you've never said a profane word. I don't care if you've never had a drink. I don't care if you've never had a bad thought. It doesn't matter. If you are pristine in this life, you have as much forgiven in your life as anybody else. It's about the understanding in our mind that reaches to our heart that we were lost and without hope and he saved us. And when you have conviction and you own your testimony, this is what Christ has done for me, it will revolutionize your life. Go back to your scripture if you would. Here's the third thing and I'll, I'll close out with this and my closing won't be 20 minutes. It's going to be 18 and a half. Jesus 
spoke with authority. People were amazed. He had his own teaching, but he taught with authority and not as the teachers of the law. See, the teachers of the law, the scribes, they taught about what others said and what happened to others and what happened to this person and what happened to that person. And sometimes you want to hear what happened to other people, but Jesus was speaking from his own conviction, teaching Scripture coupled with passion and purpose from your own experience gives authority. I asked a young pastor or a young minister that was working with me several years ago, and he kept wanting to preach, kept wanting to preach, kept wanting to preach, and I said, okay, we're going to put you in, and I gave him a topic. I said, I want you to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he talked about everything that the Holy Spirit could do, and not once. Did he ever share with compassion and passion and purpose about being overflowed, overflowing with the Holy Spirit? Because he had never really, truly experienced it in his life. You can't speak with authority on the things you don't know. But what you do know as Christ set you free. You have a testimony. Do you think you're forgiven? Or do you know you're forgiven? Do you think Christ died? Or do you know that Christ died? Can you take the Bible and show somebody all the scripture about what they need to do to be saved? Or can you share with them how that scripture is applied to your life in a personal, relevant way? Scripture says you, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony of what Christ has done. Several years ago, uh, our middle daughter, Lauren, she was in this contest. I don't even know how she got in the contest, but Estee Lauder was launching a new perfume, and they wanted a face for this new perfume. So they had all these, all these people, so she applied, went in. She got out to the last four, the final four people. And they decided, okay, here's what we're going to do. We have this new perfume. We have four finalists. So what we're going to do, and this is back in the day before you could take out your phone and, and go on the Internet, uh, and they said, you need to go online and vote for the person that you want. Whoever gets the most votes, that's who we're going to take. My wife I don't really have to say anymore, do I? <laughs> she had so they had these little cards made up with Lauren's picture on it and everything and she would talk to anybody and everybody people that would listen people that didn't listen people that couldn't even hear she would pretend like she knew sign language and just hear and she wanted everybody to vote for her daughter 
It was amazing. In the grocery store. Here, vote for my daughter. You know, and you're running, you're down in the frozen food section. And then somebody says, hey, do you know where the, you know, where the chicken is? No, but here, go vote for my daughter. Go vote for my daughter. Go vote for my daughter. It was everywhere, anywhere she went, no matter who it was, she was inviting them to go vote for, for her daughter because she wanted with such a passion to have our daughter's face on that, on that product. She didn't win. I think she came in second. That's, that's the story I'm going to stick with. The other day, Nancy and I were talking, and out of nowhere, she, was, she, was, she had mentioned that. We were, and she said, you know, I've been thinking. All those people I shared about just... People I knew, people I didn't know, it did not matter. I was just telling them, go vote for my daughter. I wonder what would happen if I would have told Keith at the grocery store, you need to know Jesus Christ. And this person that you don't know, let me tell you what Jesus has done. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. The person in the park, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. She said, I wonder what would have happened if, if I would start just telling people what Jesus has done for me with that much conviction. We ask our praise team to come back. If they would. I always say, if you would. I wonder one, one of these times if they won't. <laughs> you have a powerful testimony. And it's yours. And you get to share it. And it's true. And it's real. And in spite of what everybody else may think or say, you know that it's what gives you life and its purpose and its passion. And you get to share that with anybody and everybody that will listen. And you say, well, I don't know if it's going to make any difference. I think I shared this with you, but, but I'm going to share it again because I really it resonates with me. Now, earlier this year, I was before somebody stole my Facebook account. So if you start receiving requests from me, it's me starting a new Facebook account. So, but anyway, this, this guy I used to run around with when I was a teenager, B.C., before Christ. Uh, he said, hey, are you the same guy that, was, uh, that I used to run around with, with this guy, this guy, this guy? And I said, yes, I am. I hadn't seen uh, Johnny in... Gosh, 30-something years. And he told me this. He said, I want to let you know that when you share Jesus with me about what he has done, did for you, and I knew what we used to do, and I saw the passion in your heart, he said, it stuck with me. I just want to let you know I've given my life to Christ. And he's a Christian. And I waited for over 30 years to even hear that. To be honest, I had forgotten I had shared the gospel with him. 
I wonder, I wonder how many people that you have shared the gospel with that have given their lives to Christ and you don't even know it. Can you imagine standing before Christ and the Lord says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you're sitting there thinking, Lord, what did I do? And he says, you remember all those times you shared with passion and conviction about what I've done for you? Look behind you. Can you imagine looking behind you and seeing people that are in heaven because you shared with passion and purpose your testimony of what Christ has done for you? You don't realize how powerful it is. The devil knows how powerful your testimony is. That's why he keeps trying to push it down in your life. That's why he keeps trying to, to get all of Christians to just not talk about what Christ has done. Because when we stop talking about what Christ has done and we try to supplement it or replace it with, with a variety of different other things, that, that it just doesn't work. But the church has always grown. The church has always flourished based on one principle that is me sharing what Christ has done for me with others and you sharing what Christ has done for you with others. Whether you're 8, 18, or 80, it never stops until the Lord calls you home. Look what Christ has done for me. And we have an amazing opportunity to share the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. Would you stand?